Hello, and welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. I'm your host, Bill Banton. Along with me on this journey back to the 80s is my co-host, Jason Masek. Hello, Jason. Hello, Bill Bant. How are you doing tonight, man? Great. How are you? I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to be here. You know why? Why is that? Because I'm embarrassed to say I have not seen many films from the 1980s. So much so that I don't know why I'm on this podcast to begin with. I have a feeling there's going to be some outrage out there and they're just, uh, they're going to tear me down. But you know what? I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Oh, it feels good to get it off my chest. I just needed to share that. Thanks. All right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, back to you, Bill. How are you feeling? I'm good. Yeah. First, we just want to uh, wish everyone a happy Labor Day weekend. So for this week, uh, we're going to be doing a special mini-sode. Um, usually during the holiday weekends, uh, we don't post an episode, but we thought we should try something different. So this week, Jason and I are going to list five movies we are embarrassed to say we have not seen from the 1980s. That's right. So this, of course, being an all-80s movies podcast, you would hope your host have seen just about every movie that came out of the 80s. But unfortunately, this is not the case. So these lists are in no particular order. Jason and I have not discussed our list with one another, so each of us will be as surprised as you when we confess our five movies that we are embarrassed to say we have not seen for the 1980s. Jason, do you want to embarrass yourself first? Oh, I, I would love to, Bill Bant. Thanks. Thanks for putting the spotlight on me. Ah, not a problem. I appreciate that. So the first movie from the 1980s that I'm embarrassed to say... See, I'm already, I'm stuttering. I'm so nervous and embarrassed about this that I, I, I haven't seen the never ending story from 1984. That's right. Never seen it. Okay. I don't even think I've seen an actual scene from this film. Like I haven't caught a, just by accident on television, cable, premium channel, network, whatever you might, VHS. I just haven't crossed paths with the never ending story. And here's the log line from IMDb for this film that I read. A troubled boy dives into wondrous fantasy world through the pages of a mysterious book. How can you go wrong with that? And especially in 1984, where I'm like 10 or 11 years old, that's right up my alley. What the hell was I doing? Was was my head in the sand? What, what, what was I? So all I, I knew about this movie, Bill, was that there's a kid riding a flying dog that has this serpentine look about it. He's like flying through the sky and the stars. And I seem to think that there's something sad that happens or something that's left unfinished or unknown at the end. And that's literally like all I knew or know about this movie. And I mean, I knew it was, uh, I guess, again, like in that genre of, of fantasy, but it, there was something weird or maybe it felt too childish for some reason that as time went by, I should say, not when I was 10 or 11, but as time went by and I kept looking at it, it just didn't grab me. I was like, oh, this is really for the young ones, like little kids. So maybe that was part of the turnoff. So yeah, I can see by the, the reaction on your face. It's the same reaction everybody has when I tell them I haven't seen this movie. They're like, 
why and what's wrong with you. I shouldn't say that. What people usually say is like, it's more of like this kind of reaction, Bill. It's kind of like, oh, that's, I love that movie. And then, you know, it was a little bit ruined for me, but I was right that, it, that there is a cliffhanger. Right. I'll be honest. I've only seen the movie once. There's a scene in it I found very traumatizing. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. I can't go back and watch it again. It was, oh, no. I, I was, I was a one and done. I can't remember anything else about this movie outside of the the flying dog dragon and this one scene. I couldn't tell you anything else, but that scene traumatized me. So because as a kid, when you're watching this movie and something bad happens to one of these characters, you're like, everything's going to be okay. And it ends up not being, and that just affected me. So you might actually be lucky that you have not seen this movie. I'm going to say that. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, maybe now as an adult, it's okay. But looking back on it, when I saw it as a kid, that scene still bothers me. And it's a kid's film. That must be part of what it is. Because if it bothered you that much, do you, in discussing this movie with others that you've crossed paths with over the years, have they shared the same sentiment? Oh, yeah. People are always sad, saddened by what happens. Okay. That so that's okay. Yeah. That must be what was lingering in my mind regarding this movie then that's part of that reaction I get from people when I tell them I haven't seen it they recall that scene mm-hmm. yeah um, well um, some like, other th- you know. I will not show my kids this movie oh they'll find it on their own and watch it and <laughs> then much and later then, yeah, and then they'll, yeah exactly yeah exactly then I'll get the three three a and wake dad <laughs> Can you come sleep with us? I have a nightmare about never ending story. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go down that path. Did you know they made two sequels to this movie? Two? Because yeah, because this 1994. Oh. So yeah, I guess this particular film only covers pretty much the first half of the, the book. I definitely did not see three. I can't remember if I've seen two or not. Yeah. Well, I, did, I, I doubt haven't I seen saw one. Two. Yeah. So that's a good uh, first one, though. That is. Uh, it's great. So this movie was directed by uh, Wolfgang Peterson. It was his first English speaking film. And he would go on to direct another like, 80s favorite, something we probably, ha- I, well, we have to do. Enemy Mine. Oh, yes. Uh, I guess Barrett Oliver, who plays the kid, was in Daryl, as in the Oh, yeah. Daryl. Another movie I have not seen but I'm not as embarrassed to say I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, and uh, he was a kid in uh, Cocoon. Yes, that's so, right. Uh, which I can't recall his face from that for some reason. Yes, he was the grandson of uh, Wilford Brinley. There we go. Wilford Brinley, who was 72 years old for 50 years. Yes. From watching the trailer for The Never Ending Story, it was like watching, I was like, oh, is this a Jim Henson production? Because I did not realize it was, there was so much, there were so many special effects and puppetry and creature effects. And putting it all together, though, I, I mean, I actually do want to see, I want to know. I, now I, I'm just curious as to what that scene is. Such an impact on so many people. And um, I'll be excited to check this one out, Bill. All right. Okay. So, my first most embarrassing movie to say I've not seen. Now, be brave, one, Bill. Be brave. Just let it out, man. Share with me. This one's kind of a cheat because 
I have probably seen most of this movie in pieces. Okay. But I've never seen this movie from beginning to end in one sitting. Got it. I, I've Got probably it. seen 95% of this movie. It is the 1980 classic, The Shining. Aha! Starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Scatman Crothers, and Danny Lloyd. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Based the one on and only. Stephen King. I have never seen this movie all the way through. Wow. And that's when I go, what? Yeah. I mean. You've never seen The Shining? I could yeah. tell you um, most pieces. of the, Like, if you brought up a scene in the movie, I've probably seen it. But I have no idea what order I've seen this movie in. I mean, I know how it ends. I've seen the beginning. I've seen all the major scenes in it. You know, the two little girls in the hallway. Elevator of blood, red rum, Jack Nicholson trying to break through the door. But no, I've never, as a never seen. Yes, I've never yeah. seen it whole. So when people talk about it, I can get away with talking about it because oh, sure. I know yeah. most of it. Um, so for those who didn't see it, once again, here's the log line from IMDb. Um, a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister present influences the father into violence. While his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. Horrific forebodings. Yes. That's what is, what, that's, I can't wait to use those words in a sentence soon. That's amazing. Bill, let me be the first one to tell you that you're okay. You're okay for not having seen this from beginning to end. It doesn't, I don't think lesser of you. I just want you to know that first I of all. I appreciate that. But what the fuck is wrong with you? How have you not seen this movie? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have <laughs> just, no idea. I think because uh, I, I think because I've gotten to the point where I've seen so many pieces of it. Oh, of I just haven't sat down to sit and actually watch the whole thing. Do you think sometimes, and, and I'm saying this in all honesty, like Stanley Kubrick, for instance, with his body of work, et cetera, we know his style of filmmaking. You are familiar with the concepts of his films and you know that they tend to have a certain pace and can be a bit long in the tooth at times. Mm-hmm. Does you think, because that will sometimes be a deterrent for me with his films, as far as sitting down and going, you know what, I'm going to sit down tonight. I'm going to carve out two and a half hours plus sometimes, depending. Yeah. And watch this film. So I wonder sometimes that that's a deterrent for you with The Shining. If you're thinking, ah, I know this is a great movie, but it's it can get a little strange and it can kind of moves like molasses at times. Yeah. And it's definitely harder when you have like little kids, anything over two hours. I'm oh, just well, like, I yeah, can't. Sure. It's hard to kind of fit that in my schedule to actually try to, especially a horror movie, to try to actually fit that in for two hours without one of them coming out. And I do remember, I think the first time I saw it, I was younger. And it was a scene with the two little girls. And then it shows a shot of them in the hallway, all slaughtered. And I right. think my dad was like, you can leave now. And okay. All righty. That was the first time, the first bit I saw the first time. I ever since then, I've seen pieces. We could talk about this movie for three hours easy. So we'll try to keep yeah. it somewhat short. And I didn't mean to take away anything from, from Kubrick or the film saying that it kind of feels like, you know, it's, moving like molasses at times. It just means that you're making an investment when you sit down to watch Stanley Kubrick film. And if you're not in the right frame of mind, 
uh, your cup of tea, or you're not going to get as much out of it as you possibly you could if you were going in really wanting to make the commitment. I hope that makes sense. But with The Shining, oh my goodness, man, that movie, I also, as a kid, had just caught things here and there. Let me first say that it, for me personally, it is the single best movie trailer I've ever seen. I wish they made movie trailers like that today. As we all know, we all walk around and say the same thing. After we see the trailers before films, they were like, well, don't need to see that movie. They just did two minutes and gave me the whole thing. I know everything that happens in this movie. You gave away every single plot point, including the ending. Thank you very much. Well, with The Shining, that trailer, when it's just the low hum, and it's the, the lobby, and you mm-hmm. just see the elevator doors. Yes. And then all of a sudden... It's just a flood of blood gushing. Yes. It just starts seeping through the elevator doors and then it just, it's a waterfall. And that's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's all you get. And that's the kind of trailer that makes me want to run to a movie theater. I love that shit. So that's one of my memories from The Shining. But uh, yeah, man, the old lady in the tub, the girls in the hallway, Danny riding his damn big wheel through the halls. Yep. The sound design, of course, uh, Nicholson. Great movie. I would say, yeah, definitely watch it just to get the full effect. Here, I'm just going to flip the script on myself is because of the pacing and the tone, you get the full impact once you watch it from beginning end versus watching it in pieces. When we ever do a podcast on that movie, I guess that will be the time I finally watch this from beginning to end. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. So, Jason, your second most embarrassing 80s movies you have not seen. All right. Ugh, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. The second most embarrassing movie I've never seen from the 1980s is a film entitled Explorers from 1985. Wow. Yeah. All right. I know. Look. I'm I'm a little oh I'm just flushed right now. My face is turning red. I'm a little nervous about this. Look, a boy obsessed with 50s sci-fi movies about aliens has a recurring dream about a blueprint of some kind, which he draws for his inventor friend. With the help of a third kid, they follow it and build themselves a spaceship. Now what? Question mark. So that was the log line off of IMDB. And I am embarrassed for not having seen this film because it is a science fiction fantasy film. Come on, man. That's me saying that to myself. It's something I definitely would have been all about. I think I may have seen again, just little pieces, maybe, but once I watched the trailer, like, no, I definitely have not seen this movie. I knew Ethan Hawke was in it. And then you got river Phoenix. Yeah. River Phoenix is in it too. And a third kid whom I'm not that familiar with. I mean, I knew here's what I kind of knew. I knew that like kids by accident go into a into space and a homemade space vehicle. That's kind of what I knew. This was directed by Joe Dante too. Yeah, Gremlins fame, Inner Space, one of my all time favorites, a must do on this podcast. And the Burbs, I watched like a three minute trailer for this on YouTube, and it was excellent. Music, beautiful. Triumph, it was Jerry Goldsmith did the score for this. 
And it, I was completely inspired. It's a great lead up. It gives a ton away from the whole, it's all building up to the point where they go into space and then it kind of cuts you off. Right. There. Right. Which is great. Cause then I'm like, Oh, what happens? And now I really want to see it. Now I'm not quite sure about the effects holding up today, but I'm not worried about that. Uh, I'm just really surprised with myself. I'm surprised at myself that I never sat down and watched this from beginning to end. You know what it also made me think of space camp. Oh yeah. Okay. Which I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a hint right now. Can you tell me who the female lead in space camp was? Uh, you have Cape Capshaw and I, that's right. She was in that. Uh, Kelly Preston. Was it Kelly Preston or was it Leah Thompson? Oh, I think they're both in it. Are they both? Is Kelly Preston? See, you know better. Kelly than Preston. I. Kelly Preston is definitely in space camp. No kidding. Yes. Oh, I love Kelly Preston. Yes. I should know that. But Leah Thompson is also in it. She is in another one of my most embarrassing films from the 80s that I haven't watched. I wonder if you can guess it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Because one of the things I was going by here is like, do I really want to watch this movie now? Now that I've watched the trailer and done a little, you know, superficial research. And yes, it looks really entertaining. Yeah. I'll be Once again, you picked another movie that I've only seen one time. And, yeah. but I would like to go back and watch it again because I don't remember that much about the film just now when you know, who's in the cast, that's what just kind of like, that's why you kind of want to go back and see like sure from their yeah. beginnings. Um, and the fact that it's a Joe Dante film and I've loved most of the stuff that he has done. Yeah. It's kind of surprising being that we're, we were in that age where that movie came out that you haven't seen it yet. So that's, that's kind of a surprise. With me. I, I just wonder if it was overshadowed for me personally a little bit. I mean, 85 is a big year for movies. Yeah. Uh, and it's just. Yeah. Because this movie came and went. It did not do well at all. Yeah. I do remember that. It, it did. Uh, Could be one of the reasons. Pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for me, uh, my next film, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I have not seen one of my favorite directors. I'm sure Jason's in your top five. Also, uh, Steven Spielberg. I mean, Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've watched that movie. I mean, I've watched that movie so many times. I've just always been a fan of his work. Um, usually he's one of those directors. When a movie comes out, I try to go see it right away. But, I mean, I have seen all of his movies from Sugarland Express all the way to Lincoln. Need to see the last four. But there is one movie in the middle that I have never seen of his. And it just bothers me. I have not seen it. Okay was uh, 1985's The Color Purple. Oh, sure. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Danny Glover, Whoopi Goldberg, and Oprah Winfrey. I know at that age, that wasn't really something that I was that interested in at the time. Right. But the fact is Spielberg movie, I see it. And I just have not ever had the time to sit down and watch that movie. I need to have, I, I need to have like a Steve Spielberg day where I just need to watch that. Yeah, do a little marathon. Um, yeah, because I sure. still haven't seen like Ready Player One. I know he's got West Side Story uh, coming out. Don't, I, yeah. No, I need to it's, see it though because yeah. I need to be a completist. You, 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 hey, hey, look, I need, I need to be a completist. You're right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you, completist. I like that. All right, all right. So the log line for the color purple is um, the black Southern woman struggles to find her identity after suffering abuse from her father and others over four decades. And it's based on the book by Alice Walker uh, movie was nominated for this. I'm, and I remember that was a big thing too. I mean, this movie was nominated for, I think 11 Oscars. 
Yeah, and I remember that. I remember how. Yeah, I don't think it deal. walked away with anything. Mm. I believe everyone thought for sure. Oh, Spielberg's finally got his first Oscar. Didn't happen. But yeah, this is the movie. I just feel like I have to see it at some point. Sure, uh, understandable. And you're absolutely right. He's right there in my top five, top mm-hmm. three. Pro- I mean, they, uh, we grew up with him. Yeah, so that's uh, Steven Spielberg is a huge, huge part of the reason why I'm in this industry. It's undeniable. And every look, everybody has their opinion, but Spielberg will go down as one of the greats of all time. There's just no question. And it's interesting that I've heard the term saccharin associated with his films. Uh, Yeah. As of late, for some reason, I hadn't heard that particular term, but I, I understand that descriptor and using that regarding his movies, but that's what I love about his movies. <laughs> you know, that's what gets me. That's why you go to be entertained. Right. The color purple, I think, Bill. Uh, I'm going to be uh, kind of echoing you here and say that I've only seen it once. I think I saw it when I was very young, and the themes went right over my head. Uh, it was a mm-hmm. little. It was a little of a rough watch for me as a kid, because you know, there's some tough subject matter there, and it was something out of my reach at that time, something I couldn't relate to. And I couldn't tell you much about it. I don't honestly remember. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's a movie you would watch multiple, multiple times, but I, right. I need, I need to see it the one time. I do need to see the one time. Sure. Uh, what do you got for your third movie, Jason? My third film is the, the Leah Thompson vehicle. I, I kind of want you to guess, man. I would, I'm going to say some kind of wonderful. Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. My third film that I'm embarrassed to say I have never seen from the 1980s is some kind of wonderful from 1987. The logline reads, when Keith goes out with Amanda, the girl of his dreams, Amanda's ex-boyfriend plans to get back at Keith. Meanwhile, Keith's best friend, tomboy Watts, realizes she has feelings for Keith. Yeah. You know why I'm really embarrassed that I've never seen this film? Why is that? It was written by John Hughes. What the hell is wrong with me? I am from the Chicago area. I grew up on John Hughes and never made the time, made the effort to watch. What? How does this get by me? I don't know. And I think I've seen. Now, this one, I actually believe I have seen a scene or two from in passing, but never had, you know, never made the time or had the time to watch it from beginning to end. So and as soon as I watched the trailer, I, you get that John Hughes feel from it. This, you know, it's a coming of age romantic drama. And I love the love triangle aspect. I didn't really know, honestly, what I still don't, I didn't know what this movie was really about. I had images of Eric, Eric Stoltz and a car and a tomboy and Leah Thompson, huge crush on her from Back to the Future. So I always had a thing for her. Mary Stuart Masterson is adorable. I was a Craig Sheffer fan. I don't know why I'm like, you know why I'm a Craig Sheffer fan? This is going to sound really weird, but the film Nightbreed. Okay. It's just such a random thing, but I love that movie. That's yeah, a strange one. Great Danny Elfman soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You got John Ashton in this playing the father of Eric Stoltz. John Ashton Taggart from Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, hell yeah. I'm yeah. all about John Ashton. And then you get Elias Kateas as a skinhead. 
Yes. And he looks exactly the, the same, same as he does today. Yes. Today. How does he do that? He's in it. I mean, so I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, this trailer really made me want to see it. This is one I really do want to watch. And I would love to discuss on this very podcast. Love the cast. Even just the performances in the trailer look great. Uh, it looks like something I would have loved being you know, in school being close to that age at that time. I was probably a few years you know, younger. This was directed by Howard Deutsch. Is it Deutsch? I can't, if it's either Deutsch or Dutch. He directed Pretty in Pink, The Great Outdoors. So like I said, yeah, great trailer. Not sure how this coming of age drama got by me all these years. The, the line in the trailer, this is something I feel like I've heard quoted before. When you have Mary Stuart Masterson saying this to Leah Thompson, she says, break his heart, I break your face. Great line. And especially the way she delivers it. She means it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one's got nostalgia all written all over it for me, uh, even though I didn't see that. <laughs> Just the trailer itself. I'm like, wow, I, I'll watch it and like pretend I saw it back then. I don't know. Uh, some kind of wonderful. That's a cool title, too. I don't know. Yeah, I just never know. Yeah, knew I didn't actually sit down and watch this. Anyway. Yeah, it's almost like the forgotten John Hughes movie when they talk about them all. This one almost kind of seems to be set aside a little bit. But yeah, it is your, you know, boy from the wrong side of the tracks going after the most popular girl and uh, actually getting on a date with her. And right. just watching how it plays off. I've, I've seen it. I've seen this one a handful of times and I do like it because, yeah, the, the cast in it is really good. Um, it's a fun film. I would say, yeah, J- Jason, you do have to see this one. Yeah. Yeah. This one's a, a must watch. And uh, yeah, it will certainly be a future podcast at some point. This is definitely what we need to do. Excellent. I'll be looking forward to it. What's your next uh, movie on this uh, embarrassing list, Bill Ben? This one, I did not want to see it when it first came out, but now I just want to see from nostalgia's sake. I, I want to see this movie, and it's desperately seeking Susan. Oh, uh, wow! Ni- 1985, yeah. PG 13. It was Madonna's first movie, Rosanna mm-hmm. Arquette, Adrian Quinn. And then I found out Laurie Metcalf is in it. So I was just like, what is it? Aiden Quinn? Aiden Quinn. Who did I say? Yeah. Uh, Adrian. Gotta, no, no, it's all right. I gotta I, mess up someone's I, name. I'm being, I'm being an ass. I'm well, this, being nitpicky. I apologize. Well, I just, just I haven't seen the movie. I'm just uh, saying, in case Aiden is listening to the podcast, right. you don't want to offend. You know, mid '80s, Madonna was super huge. Yeah, this movie came out. It was an incredible sleeper hit. And for me, at that time, yeah, it's a girls' movie. It's not something that maybe I wanted to see at the time, but. I mean, it did have an impact on fashion and all that stuff of that time. So I just, I'm just surprised I've just never seen it. Sure. The movie's about, it's a bored New Jersey suburban housewife uh, played by um, Rosanna Arquette, who has a fascination with a kooky character she's read about in the personal columns, which leads to her being mistaken for the woman herself. That makes no sense to me. I'm not even sure how a movie comes out of this plot line. (laughs) I'm like, I have seen nothing of this movie whatsoever outside of like the trailer and any music videos that have clips of this movie. So I don't know really that much of what it's about, but this is something I should have seen. I mean, it's mid eighties. It's a popular film. It's something I feel like I should have seen at this point. I think it's understandable that you didn't though. 
like this one doesn't shock me. Mm -hmm. And I believe I have seen this film. I don't remember much from it. I know Rosanna Arquette is adorable. Like I've always been a fan of hers, Mm -hmm. uh, a fan of Madonna's too, but um, I remember it being fun. Like it's an easy watch. It's not a brain buster or anything like that, you know, but it's, yeah. I mean, it had its moment in time. But uh, yeah, I couldn't really tell you much about it. The log line brings back some memories and images. I wouldn't be that embarrassed because of pop culture at the time. Like, again, having its place that it's like, how do you not? It's hard to avoid it, you would think. Interesting. That's one. God, you know, this is where I go, Bill. It's like you think about doing an 80s podcast, an 80s movies podcast. We're going to run out of movies eventually. Right. That's what, you know, like it's 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 an initial fear we've had. And then you bring up desperately seeking Susan. And I realize we'd never, we'll never run out of movies to do. No, not at least not in our lifetime. No, especially doing the, you know, trying to come up with a five for this list, literally go like, I would go to the box office and look at like the top hundred for every year. And I'm like, Oh, I've seen more of these than I've thought. Right. They, yeah, Some I just sure. totally forgot about. And I was just like, oh, my God, it, it was definitely sparking a lot of memories of some of these titles as a kid. It's so. great. It's absolutely great looking at the lists and just going, wow, I watched a lot of movies as a kid. Yes. I really watched a lot of movies. And I'm so grateful to my parents that they either took me to the movies, allowed me, they wanted me to see the movies that they loved and uh, thought it really had an important place. And they were nurturing my excitement and uh artistic uh side through you know because they knew i was just uh enraptured by the whole you know the movie going industry but uh i just anyway, I, yeah i just love the video store i used to go to as a kid where the new oh sure the, not the new releases were only 99 cents so you know i was only paying a buck five to just catch everything i missed yeah, everything about the movie culture. Yeah, from going to the your neighborhood video store, then to eventually like Blockbuster, and we all have great memories, uh, you know, from mm-hmm. that. But uh, yeah, but uh, when you see, yeah, desperately seeking Susan was a thing. Yeah, and uh, gosh, I wouldn't have ever thought of that movie maybe ever again unless you just brought it up. So. <laughs> Amazing. All right, so what do you got uh, for number four on your list? Of- for number four, a movie. You know, this one's tough. I can't, if I'm going to be honest with you, Bill, I'm not really that embarrassed that I haven't seen it. Okay. It's more like, I just wish I had. And now I can't wait to see it. This one's, it seems like it's an oldie, but a goodie, even though I haven't seen it. Right. I can't really say that fairly, but this one's from 1980. Okay. And it's called My Bodyguard. Oh, you, oh my God. This is the first one that shocks me. How have you not seen my bodyguard? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. That, yeah, that's so far as the shock. I cannot believe you have not seen my body. That was on HBO like every other month. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Go ahead. Proceed. Jason, I know he a lot of people are listening right now are saying the same thing. Like, how has he not yeah. seen my bodyguard? That's what I'm Hey, look, okay. See, now I'm embarrassed. Now I'm really embarrassed. So sorry. Uh, the, no, that's fine. Hey, look, I'm a grown man. I can. It's okay. It's okay. Don't <sighs> no, keep going. I, know, keep I going. can handle that. I'm fine. Um, the log line uh, from this is uh, when a boy comes to a new school and gets harassed by a bully, he acquires the services of the school's most feared kid as a bodyguard. 
So I always knew that uh, Adam Baldwin was in this. Yes. And he plays the bodyguard. And Adam Baldwin, great actor, who this was his first feature. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the credits, like I watched the credits and introducing Adam Baldwin. That guy is still working today. Stud, yep. still doing it. And he's great. And he always seems to play, you know, he's usually in a supporting role, but he always stands out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, ah, there he is. That's that guy. It's yep. uh, Adam Baldwin. Love that guy. Everyone always says how they love this movie. And I am, I think I've maybe seen a scene, but I've never, I haven't seen the whole movie, obviously, but I've always wanted to see it. This movie's got not only Adam Baldwin, but Matt Dillon as the bully. Yeah. Got Joan Cusack in this. And this was directed by Tony Bill. And you know why I love Tony Bill? What's that? Because he directed a little film called Untamed Heart. And do you know who was in Untamed Heart? No, I'm not talking about Christian Slater. I'm talking about someone after my own heart, and that's Marissa Tomei. Yes. That's when I was introduced to Marissa Tomei. Oh, my goodness. Soft, sweet Marissa Tomei. So, yes, Tony Bill uh, directed this. Great trailer, man. So 80s. So, I mean, it's from 1980. And you see a young, young Matt Dillon just being a dick. Yeah. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's great as a total asshole. And these poor kids being bullied around and they play great. Like it's immediately relatable. Immediately. You remember those kind of nightmares from school and the, the bullies, et cetera. And then, you know, the, the trailer kind of plays out and you see him meeting the uh, Adam Baldwin who comes out and he's like 10 feet taller than everybody else. Cause Adam Baldwin is a tall dude. Yeah. And there's a funny line in the trailer where I think he, they don't show, I don't know if they couldn't show in the trailer, but you get the idea that he either had finished smoking a cigarette or puts out a cigarette. And the kid who's being bullied says to his now bodyguard, says, uh, you know, those things will stunt your growth. Of course, the guy's like five feet yeah. taller than he is. So that doesn't mean anything to him. So I get the feeling I'd freaking love this man. I always root for the underdog. I always like to see the bully get his comeuppance. Uh, and it looks like, Adam Baldwin's great. And this is kind of like an awkward uh, outsider because of his size and because he's, you know, but that he finds kind of his uh, purpose in being the bodyguard. Seems like it like has a little bit of a bittersweet edge to it with uh, Baldwin's character. But yeah, so this one really got away from me somehow. And uh, I can't wait to watch this one, man. Oh, because it looks like a lot of like, once it gets to the, the part where, he recruits Baldwin to be his bodyguard. I don't know how it all happens, but it looks like it's probably a lot of fun. Yeah. So for me, what I loved about it because it had um, Chris uh, Makerpiece in it. Yeah. Never heard. I don't know that actor. Oh, he's the kid from Meatballs. Yeah. That, no, yeah. that Bill Murray takes under his wing and he runs the race at the end when they do. Okay. The, I think uh, I saw like Meatballs is one that I. I don't, I think I've seen, but don't remember anything. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. See, I actually saw, I saw meatballs at the drive-in. Mm. So the fact that I, I know that kid from something else. Gotcha. But yeah, that thing was on HBO all the time. And I think I used to watch it just about every time it came on. You got to see my bodyguard. I got to go back and see, but just to see if it holds up at all. I mean, it. I probably have not seen it since the eighties, to be honest. Yeah. Well, the trailer is great. 
But it, from just from the lines in the trailer and the in the actors too, it's like this is going to be halfway decent at at the worst. Yeah, you got you got to see. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That is definitely the most surprising of the four. So I love it. All right. So my next film, I'm embarrassed to say it's a cult classic. And I mean, I've seen some weird 80s movies, <laughs> you know, like Hell Comes to Frogtown, Buckaroo Banzai. You know, th- this is a movie that kind of falls into that, but it's one I have not seen. Um, it was written, directed by Alex Cox, and it was Repo Man. Oh, I haven't seen that one either, man. Oh, you haven't? All right. Harry no, D- no, no. Yeah, Harry Dean Stanton, Emilio Estevez, and uh, Tracy Walter. Here's the logline of the film. So a young punk recruited by a car repossession agency finds himself in pursuit of a Chevy Malibu that is wanted for a $20,000 bounty and has something otherworldly stashed in its trunk. It's one of those weird combination sci-fi punk kind of films it's just one of those like cult classics i'm just surprised i have never seen it of all the movies uh that i've seen from the 80s i mean this is cult 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 classic film and i have not seen repo man and i'm embarrassed (laughs) to say i have not seen this of all the cult movies that come out of the 80s i have somehow missed this one well i can be embarrassed with you because i haven't seen it either and this one comes up often though this one will come up for whatever reason Obviously, I mean, there have been other podcasts that have done it and covered it and done it well. I've known of this film. This is very much one of those I'd see at Blockbuster on the rack at any video store and be like, man, this looks interesting. It looks out there. It looks kooky. I just love to dip my toes into that water just for a second to see what it's all about and just never did. Yeah, that's that's the thing. There was nothing about it that I felt like, oh, I don't want to see this movie. This is just one of those weird films. It's always just like, I'm seeing killer clowns from outer space, Jason. I've not seen Repo Man. <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> and I've seen killer clowns from outer space See, more this, than once. So oh I should have seen see, Repo that's Man. Just, that's the point is that there's just, I mean, you can't see all the movies out yeah. there. But this is an 80 call classic I should have seen. Okay. That's a good one, man. But now, hey, you know, that can be a film we do, we cover on this podcast that we both haven't seen. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It'll be, yeah, it'll be one of the few movies that we will probably do where both of us have not seen the movie going in. Right. Cuz we'll do we'll do hopefully another podcast we did Night Shift where I hadn't seen the film and you were already a fan. Mm-hmm. We need to do one that uh, we both haven't seen. So that'll be fun. All right. So how many got... how many have we done so far? We've done I've done 4. Did, I've done, done 4. four? So we're, yeah, we're our got last one, one more. Yep. And this is a like Trust me, there's a lot more than these that I haven't seen. So I think you've already named 10 just in passing. <laughs> Killer clowns from outer space. I've never seen that. That's a fun one, Jason. You should yeah, see that too. I, all right. I'm going to have to save it's it not, the, it's, the it's, next it's, five. Yeah, it's not one you have to run out and see. But yeah, if it, if it comes across your path, you should check it out. It's weird. So this is kind of interesting for my fifth film that I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen from the 1980s. This is what I just, again, never, I'm a little bit embarrassed and ashamed to say I never made the effort, not just because I'm a fan of films from the 80s, but also I'm a student, I like to think of myself as a student of film. And this is a director whom uh, has made a lot of impactful films over his career. And uh, I have a lot of respect for, and this film is entitled Do the Right Thing from 1989. 
I've actually, wow. Yeah, I've only seen pieces, I've, uh, you know, in small pieces at that uh-huh. probably. I've seen actually, now that I think of, it, I've seen scenes. Cause I remember watching like Danny Aiello in the restaurant a bit right? Uh, and some John Turturro, but I've never seen the whole movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's like a, I am embarrassed. Like that's something I should, I should have seen for a multitude of reasons. I saw that going to UM because they showed it and that's yeah. when I went and saw it. But yeah, I've, I've only seen it the one time myself. I mean, this is, I mean, critically acclaimed. It's, it's a Spike Lee joint. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't already on the map, this firmly placed him on the map, you know? So, oh, yeah. I mean, he was clearly on the radar, like he was on the up and up already, but uh, this was a big one for Spike Lee. And uh, so the, the long line reads, on the hottest day of the year on a section of Brooklyn, everyone's hate and bigotry smolders and builds until it explodes into, vi- uh, into violence. I know it's an important film. Spike Lee is an auteur. He has a very unique signature and he take, takes risks and he just puts it out there and he's going to, he has something to say. He's never shied away from. No, nope, very outspoken. Yeah. So uh, you got to admire that and uh, extremely underrated and underpraised. Definitely. But got to respect the work in the filmography. Uh, love John Turturro. Love Danny Aiello. you got Giancarlo Esposito in this. He's been around for a long time and mm-hmm. he didn't really get onto my radar to be completely honest, until he played the role of Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. And he is bad. And he is so good in that series, which is already a, a it's a modern classic already. And uh, even in more recent times, as you would know, Bill Bant, he portrayed Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian. Yes. And he's great. Uh, so Giancarlo Esposito's in this. Uh, Sam Jackson's got a Samuel yeah. L. Jackson is in this. Rosie Perez. I mean, the cast is loaded. Spike Lee himself plays Mookie. Uh, so I was looking over Spike. You know, one of my Spike Lee favorites is actually Inside Man. Yes. I love that movie. I would say it's one of my favorites too. Yeah. Trailer for this, solid. I mean, you, you just see one actor after another and you're going, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is just loaded. Dialogue's great. It looks like a film, you know, it makes you think and you it, 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 it gives you all perspectives, mm-hmm. you know. When I say all perspectives, because there's, uh, you know, the racial contingent in this movie. Uh, it's just something I, I really should see, but I do. I actually do want to see it. I, I mean, so I need to see this movie, Bill. Yeah, it's funny because looking at your list, four out of the five movies that you mentioned, I've only seen one time. And mm-hmm. the same here with Do the Right Thing. But I think it is a movie I probably need to go back and watch again myself just you know, with the current climate that we're in with sure. everything going on. Um, because, yeah, this is a movie with a message. I think it is a movie that everyone should see at least one time. I just need to see it. So going into my fifth and final movie, I'm most embarrassed to say I haven't seen. It was also a very controversial film in the 80s, more on the religious side. Um, it was directed by Martin Scorsese. It was 1988's The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Wow, sure. Uh, Willem Dafoe, Harvey Keitel, and Barbara Hershey. So, The Life of Jesus Christ, his journey through life as he faces the struggles all humans do, and his final temptation on the cross. Growing up Catholic, I knew the whole story of Jesus. Good Friday, Easter, all that. Good through all the sacraments, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. There you go. But there is a story in the Bible that Jesus was tempted. 
So, and we don't know what it is, but here, here's the sad things about this stuff. Like the, uh, the music was done by Peter Gabriel. I own that soundtrack. I love it. I listen to it a lot. Absolutely. Outstanding soundtrack. Jason, what am I showing you right now on the screen? You own it. I own you the damn own movie. The <laughs> I own the damn movie. I still haven't seen it. I don't know how long I've had this and I still haven't yeah. seen the movie. That's embarrassing. In fact, I own the movie and still have not seen it. That's double embarrassment. Wow. All right. That's a movie I got to sit down at some point and, and watch. Yeah, that's a big one. I didn't realize it was based on a book that came out like in the 50s. Like a Greek oh, writer. yeah, I always forget that. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Three of the movies on my list were based on books. And I didn't read any of those books either. I think, oh, yeah. Uh, I had one, I guess, never-ending story. Uh, that's great stuff, Bill. Yeah, I would say, yeah, it's one of, the, again, just one of those you need to watch because it is Scorsese, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And Willem Dafoe is great. And it just to watch a different interpretation of an age-old story, of course. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I only saw it once. That's one I only also saw only once. Yeah, that's one I need to revisit. Yeah, kind of like um, like Passion you know, of the Christ. Yeah, Passion of the Christ. I saw that in the theater. Never see, need to see that movie again. No, well, that's one of the I, toughest watches yeah, of all yeah. time. So, wow, just great choices, man. Great list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you should be embarrassed of yourself. Not nearly as embarrassed as I should be, though. No, you shouldn't be embarrassed at all. Those are those are like I see like you say those films. I don't think I was really. Go over your list real quick again. Um, the Shining. Okay. Carla Purple, just because I'm, you know, I'm a Spielberg fan. Desperately Seeking Susan, because Madonna was, you know, one of the iconic people of the 80s. Repo Man, cult, cult classic. Yeah. And uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, because I freaking own it and still haven't seen it. Right. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, I could see that being a little embarrassing for sure. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I think The Shining would be the one that I, I'm probably the most surprised you haven't seen from beginning to end. Gotcha. But, uh, I mean, so I had The NeverEnding Story, Explorers, Some Kind of Wonderful, My Bodyguard, and Do the Right Thing. I think of that list, I'm most embarrassed about not seeing Do the Right Thing. Okay. But, I mean, I do want to see all these movies, like right now. They all see like at least they they do all from all appearances. Well, I mean, I know like do the right thing, and I know that uh, at least uh, like some kind of wonderful. I can pretty much guarantee are pretty good movies. You know what I mean? I'm just telling you, when you see never ending story, and you call me crying afterwards. Yeah, you've been warned. <laughs> That's a good list. Yeah, because it, it was kind of hard trying to come up with popular films well right they fall into also that kind of the cult favorite category yeah. because if you we you do the general search and you just look you know best movies of the 80s uh oscar winners from the 80s mm-hmm. etc they're gonna be most likely movies we've seen yeah so it's a this has been this has been a fun experiment and i can't I, i'm really already looking forward to doing this again cool all right. So, um, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this week's mini Uh Thank you so much for listening. Um, please email or tweet us and let us know which movies from the 80s you haven't seen. And we'll mention them in one of our future podcasts. Remember, next week will be the 1982 sci-fi adventure film Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, starring William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and Ricardo Montalban. 
As always, please subscribe, give us a review and rate us. You can email us at all80smoviespodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your feedback, questions, or recipes to share. You can follow us on Facebook at All80smoviespodcast or tweet us at podcastall80s. Until then, have a totally great week, everyone. And remember, you're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day. Uh, Happy (laughs) Labor Day. Be safe out there. Thanks for staying up with us. Good night, world.